Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of Beer with Darren. Uh, tonight I am very, very excited to be talking about marketing automation with Christy. Christy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's our, it's our favorite subject, automation. It's mine. I know. Every time we get in the pub together, we can't help but coming back to automation, can we? I know. Doesn't people want to be around us? That sounds like a boring discussion for anybody who's <laughs> not an automation geek like we are. But um, yeah, that's the topic. It's all good tonight. once you're a few shots in, I think. But, but for the people that don't know you, people that haven't had a few shots of you before, do you mind giving a little bit about your background for me? Yeah, so my name's Christy Perrot. I am <clears throat> 16 years in recruitment, always in a marketing capacity. So the first 14 of those were um, with quite a large global recruitment agency. I worked my way up to the role of global or actually international uh, director of marketing communications. And then two years ago, I started a company called Thrive, which is dedicated to recruitment marketing. And we specialize in really kind of this whole full service virtual CMO, virtual outsourcing of a marketing department. But most specifically, we specialize in sales automation and marketing automation. And that's probably why I'm speaking with you tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting to see how quickly now things are actually happening. Because I go back five years, we wouldn't be talking about automation in recruitment. We wouldn't be talking, frankly, about marketing in recruitment quite often. Mm. So how, how have you seen that last five years accelerate through? And what's your sort of experience been? Actually, I love that you say that because that that's really just been it. I, I was very fortunate that I was in a company that really was on the front foot that had, you know, it was a big company, big budgets. And to be honest, they looked outwards. They looked at, at the other industries that were doing this well and wanted to emulate them. So it was never about looking at, you know, who's our competitors and who's what's happening internally. It's what can we take from all these other industries? That said, when you are a big company over this journey and when you are an early adopter, it can actually be very slow. I always kind of liken it to, you know, the cruise ship that's kind of plugging along. Whereas the beauty now is, and especially since, you know, the, 2020 and, and all that this has brought this year, but even maybe a couple of years before that, I think the tsunami is coming or has come in terms of recruiters and recruit, re recruitment as an industry embracing automation and AI and, and what you can actually do with it. No longer feeling threatened because I think there was this feeling, oh, robots, oh, they can't do what recruiters do. We're better, you know, oh, LinkedIn, they didn't get us. But this is now an opportunity where people can realize that it's actually going to enhance all the great things they do already. And it's just going to make them better at their jobs, able to reach more people, you know, scale their business faster. And now they're the speedboat. You know, if there's that big ocean liner going, there's all these speedboats catching up to them. And it's, it's just a really exciting time um, because the technology has caught up as well. So there's really great tools that are very affordable for an SME business, which again was, you know, probably limited to the big guys a few years ago. So yeah, it's absolutely. a good place to be. It, it's interesting because if I, if I look back and you mentioned that people felt threatened, for me, recruitment's always gonna be a people to people business. That's what it is. You can't, you can never replace that. You can, sure you can automate the start of the phone calls. You can maybe automate, I don't know, some of the outreach that you do, but it ultimately it's always going to come back to a person, talking to a person, connecting with them, 
and on both sides of the fence. Um, so I don't think we're ever going to replace recruiters. Let's, let's just put that yeah. out there to start with. I don't think we need to be worried about it either. I, I, I do think we, we need to think about what our value proposition is, what makes us different than the next. You know, I, I have to admit, I do hear a lot of, oh, well, makes, what makes us different is our people. And you're like, okay, well, how are you going to prove that to somebody if you don't have something that backs that up? Um, so I think it's, it's not automation that people should be worried about. It's actually, you know, good marketing and good defining that value proposition. That's never going to change. It, it's, you know, we had to say that 10 years ago. Why are we better than the next one? And we have to say it today. It's just the channel or, or the platform that you're able to share that message. So that's a big part of it on, on what we need to nail first, just as part of your wider business. And then let automation kind of help you, you know, do the heavy lifting of get, actually getting that message out there. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting what you said about having to look outwardly because so many, for so often, so many CEOs that I, I was aware of, they looked at what their competitors were doing. And if these people had this bit of shiny tech or they were at this exhibition, I've got to be there. Oh, they've hired this role. I need this role now. And actually, I think the best the best agencies that I work with are the ones that look to things like e-commerce and think about, well, what are they doing in the B2C side? How can I bring that into my business? Because recruitment's in this special bubble where you're not B2B, you're not B2B, B2C. B2C. You're, and I love that. I love that. But I, so that's why exciting. I think you need to look outside outside of recruitment. If you want to if you want to be the ones that actually have a USP to actually have a competitive edge, mm. you need to look outside. And I think that's where the automations come from. Because for me, a lot of the automation that we talk about today are things that e-commerce websites have been doing for years. Ages. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think COVID has forced people to, to look at it and, and forced them maybe a little bit out of necessity, but forced them actually in the fact that they, they for a lot of people, they did have time on their hands, you know, this year to actually say, okay, let's sit down and actually assess the situation. How am I going to not just get me and my business out of, you know, this sticky situation? And, and you know, some have fared better than others and, and industry, you know, played a pretty big part of that. But they, it, it just forced people to look at their processes and look at their business. And I think, like you said, those shiny things, another one I'll add to the mix is, is the kind of the vanity of how big is my business versus how big is your business? Ooh, I have 50 consultants. Ooh, I have 80 consultants. You know, it doesn't matter how many consultants you have if you're not profitable at the end of the day. And in fact, you probably don't want 80 consultants if they're not profitable because you're not actually going to be, you know, you're not going to be making any money at the end of the day. So, I think what, what it's really allowed now and why automation is coming to the fore, it's recognizing what are the things that, frankly, robots maybe can do better and, and, and use the time of your, you know, the, the great expertise and, and opportunity and use the time of those consultants. Why should they be cold calling when they can be working nice, warm leads, adding value, closing the sale, building relationships and actually doing that human side of it, everything you just said. And to be honest, probably people are going to enjoy their jobs more as well because who doesn't love closing more deals, right? And who, and who loves cold calling? Probably nobody. <laughs> so let's find a way that one they can get back to doing what they that. love. <laughs> some yeah, some well, people love cold calling. They're a I, special case. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I've tried it once or twice. Um, I've had quite a, you know, a good success rate with it, but I felt like I had lost part of my soul during that day as well. So it's not uh, not my cup of tea, I have to admit. So but, would you like to do five cold calls or five 
warm close the sale calls i know the answer right yeah give, just give need to get more in the funnel like yeah exactly it's the, it's the reason that i embrace linkedin and i i post on there two three times a day because i'm creating conversations all day long and you know in, embedding ourselves in community and that's again where you've got automation to create those warm warm leads and we'll come on to that there is other ways as well and you need to be doing them together if you can build your personal brand if you can be part of the communities you serve you know if you're if you think about a recruiter that's recruiting for tech people then you should be the one that's providing that piece so you should be at the events and actually show you care about that community um which is something that works well for me that obviously we we sell to marketers but i i feel like i'm embedded in the marketing community within recruitment hopefully people agree but uh I can't, I can't force it. And so the community personal brand creates those inbound conversations as well, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about automation. So what is automation and how do you use it? Yeah. So, I mean, in simple terms is, would you want to do something manually or would you want to have the ability to automate it and therefore scale it? And, and maybe that's just a, a simplified way of saying it, but Automation could be anything from obviously if you're watching the, the pager podcast, you know, it, it's or webinar, whatever beers with Darren, um, you know, it's about how can you actually, you know, be posting content on LinkedIn? How do you actually simplify that for for not just you as an individual, but obviously for business? How do you scale that um, when you were thinking again that your consultants are busy, very busy people, and they're also chasing chasing the money, right? So they're they're going to be pulled in so many other directions. This is a way to have it automated. Um, one of the ways that we use automation is through our programming, our sales automation programming, and that is largely through email. Um, with the real benefit here is is two prong. Um, one is reactivating your database. It is scary how much great, valuable content and contacts are in there that are dormant that nobody ever speaks to. Um, for a business leader, you should be probably pretty concerned about this. Because again, the you know, the cost that it's cost you to acquire that customer over many years, depending on how, how long you've been running as a business, but you've effectively spent money, whether that's in headcount from the consultants, you know, headhunting or recruiting them, whether it's in office space and electricity from having you know interviews with these people, but you have this very large amount of data. And yet consultants typically are always looking, going after the, the new and shiny things. You can't blame them because a database, A, often has bad data, and B, you don't know the intent of your client as they're sitting in the database. So any consultant that's gonna go chase a lead, there's a higher likelihood they're gonna land that lead. If you give a consultant a database and say, oh, go mine the database, they're probably gonna groan at you and say, oh God, because it's a hard slog. So the first thing we do is we see about how email automation, and it's not one, it's, we're not talking newsletters that just go out every month. We're talking about actually feeding through the different stages of the sales funnel and the different messages and the pain points and the opportunities that your customer goes through as they go through their sales journey. And you just automate that with, with, with emails, which some of them will be marketing emails. They'll look like a marketing email. Some of them might look like sales emails. They might look like a one-to-one -one email, like it's come from somebody personally, and it just happens to be automated. Um, 
And then the second piece to that is how do you get net new clients? So, you know, the, the tool that we use, um, Strive, which is our own product, we're able to then also capture your contacts from LinkedIn. Maybe you've done a sales navigator search or a, or, um, a LinkedIn recruiter light. I do have to specify that the, the recruiter licenses aren't working at the moment with it, but be able to extract, do a project, extract your contacts, feed it through the system that then goes out and searches the, the net for that person's um, email address, work email address, and then you feed them into the sequences. So now you've just done your all of your prospecting and all of your cold calling through email. Once they actually warm up and you've seen that they've engaged over you know, a few emails, they, they, you, we could talk about lead scoring, but they get a bit of a score that ind indicates their intent. That's the moment that your consultants pick up the phone and they have just that much more of a meaningful conversation with them than, hey, do you, do you have any jobs for me, you know, in a cold call? Yeah, and, and it, I'm, I'm laughing because it makes so much sense when you actually say it, but so many people don't actually do it, <laughs> which is mm. the frustrating thing. You hear all day long about, even on the candidate side, the amount of people that you you advertise a role on a job board, you get an application, the person you end up placing was in your CRM to begin with, yet you've spent your credit on the job board, you've waited for them to come to you when they were sitting in your database all, all, all day long already, um, which... If no. you're a recruitment leader, I mean, I get it. Again, if you're that consultant, you want that path of least resistance, right? If you're a recruitment leader, seeing this massive database that you've spent money on over the years, just going untouched would be, you know, a bit soul destroying at the end of the day. It would be, it would be. And often the, the other thing is that the recruiters, depends on the CRM, but I, I don't think I've ever spoken to a single salesperson that loves the CRM. There's always something about it that bugs them, mm. the search functionality, whatever it may be. So actually, if you can use automation to, to nurture it, to then lead score, and we'll come on to lead score in a bit because that's something I feel quite passionate about, to then actually just give them qualified, I guess, MQLs, if we're going to start labeling them, give them MQLs for them to come to Which SQLs. is a marketing qualified lead for the non-marketers watching. <laughs> there we go. Um, and and that's what we, we've, we've gone through this journey ourselves, right? So a lot of what we do is all, all valuable content. This podcast is an example of it, right? You can subscribe to the podcast on the on the website. Um, the T-shirt I'm wearing, you know, it's um, it's on sale on T-Mill and we're raising money for Mind. But we've obviously got tracking pixels on there. If you, we know that you bought a T-shirt, your lead score goes up. If you listen to the podcast, your lead score goes up. And when you reach a certain lead score, guess what? I probably will pick up the phone to you. Um, not not to sell you, but to actually just say, hey, and you're aware of Pager, you're aware of me, is it worth grabbing five minutes? Mm -hmm. And you'll be amazed how often the answer is, this is so weird, I was I was going to call you. Um, <laughs> Incredible. But, yeah, yeah, I, I would love to talk to you. And you're sitting there thinking, this is just brilliant. You know, I, I don't do cold calling, I do I do warm calls, as you say. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you use lead scoring for recruitment agencies? I know how we use it, how do you use it for a recruitment agency? Very similar to how, how you just described. So it's looking at the different actions and what they're engaging with across that journey. So let, let's say that we do a, um, there's a magic number of seven, but let, let's say we do a seven stage email sequence. And, and the reason we say seven is that it normally it takes seven interactions with a brand before somebody makes a buying decision. And that's not necessarily verbal interactions. It's some form of interaction. So you start with minimum of seven. It, it might be, it might be more, there might be cases that it might be less, but, but let's say we start with seven. Over the course of, of these seven emails, 
they get scored for different actions and and everybody has their own form of scoring um i i have kind of a a simplified version that of course we have variants of, but let's say that anytime they open an email, they get a score of two. If they click on an email, which is a bit, you know, bit more invested because they've clicked on a link, they get a score of three. Let's say they go to, you know, as you continue on the, the journey, maybe because um, you're constantly warming them up and later on in the journey, you're going to have much more sales related messages. So there might be case studies or more commercial messaging, whereas at the beginning, it might be a little bit more kind of thought leadership and content based. So as they go through, if they start clicking on one of these more kind of sales um, or commercial assets, let's say a case study, maybe we give them five points. To your point, Darren, maybe they watched a webinar and, and maybe depending on what kind of um, business you're running, you know, if, if, if I was Pager, for instance, if it's a product demo of some sort and they've watched the whole webinar, yeah, you give them 10 points. So the point of all of this though, is actually looking at the aggregate score. So we're looking at, um, yes, the first email, people won't have a very high score, but over multiple messages, and after that seven, it doesn't stop. You, you can keep building from that. But over time, as you develop these programs, people will start and, and enact these programs, people will start getting these aggregate scores. So the beauty of this is, is that your consultants could go in and, and we do actually typically, we provide lead lists to our, our clients every Monday morning. They get a lead list that's saying, here's every single person who engaged with your, um, with, with your communications last week. But within that, there's a score. So you naturally just reverse chronological. So the people with the highest score, prioritize them, use that for your, for your calling for the week and you work through it. So the beauty is, is you just, you just know these people and, and there are more sophisticated things. If you actually start looking at, at the, the journey that itself, like you said, Darren, you could then um, actually see exactly what they've engaged with and therefore tailor your messages accordingly. Um, I obviously do that for, for my business. If I see that they've, they've engaged on something about sales automation, I'm able to actually use that as part of my discussion with them saying, oh, you know, let's talk about sales automation. And again, you know that they have an interest in that. You know they have an intent of wanting to learn more. So it just allows you to have that much more sophisticated conversation than, do you have any jobs for me? Yeah, it, we call it, yeah, informed conversations. And, and that's where we, we talk about all day long about knowing your industry, knowing what's actually going on about that customer. And if you know what their buyer journey to you is, there's such a better, better conversation. And I think we should make it clear at this point that we're not talking about the spammy messages that I, I receive all, all day long. I you receive know, all like, day long. Oh, you get a connection request on LinkedIn and they say, oh, I saw some mutual connections. I think we're interested. Mm -hmm. You click accept, wait a few minutes, you get a first message. The message is longer than the, the bloody Bible. I don't have time to read all of that. You ignore it. Two days later, follow-up message. Third day later, follow-up message. Full, oh, I haven't been able to get hold of you. Must be busy. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Or, oh, you must have missed my message. I'm just going to send it again. No, I didn't miss your message. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> answering you on purpose. And, and you know that because LinkedIn's got read receipts. You can see that Reddit and chose to ignore <laughs> yeah. it. But the problem is they don't see it because they've automated it. We're, and we're not talking about that. And it happens in email as well, right? The emails. Luckily, we're on G Suite and a lot of them do. G Google, you've done a fantastic job because most of them end up in my spam folder where, you know, it's just this. And it says, oh, my email before, it's third email. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that. 
those emails that you send need to be delivering value to people. There's a reason they've opened them. There's a reason they clicked on them. There's a reason they're going to open your next one. And it's all about delivering value, delivering value, delivering value, and then trying to sell once they're aware of your brand. We're not talking about the the, the bad practices that are out there. I think that's... Yeah, and, and my take on all that is, is that people will do that if they are on the phone or on email. So if, if somebody is a horrible salesperson or, you know, the, the stereotypical used car salesman kind of approach to business development, and it's not even business development, it's sales, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's what's going to come through on, on when you automate, you know, if you automate bad marketing or comms or sales, and it's just automated, it just, it's just going to be scaled up bad comms. <laughs> what we're saying is that if, if, you, if you know your customer and if you know their pain points, and if you, going back to our original point about knowing your value proposition and what makes you unique as a business and how you convey that to them. It's just the fact those same messages that you would have on a one-to-one -one basis. Again, you need to have good segmentation. You need to know your customer and segment accordingly. But if you do that, they might realize that it's a little bit automated, but one, you're probably given a little bit more license to do it because it's still value add content, but probably half the time they don't even realize that it actually is automated if it's done in a very genuine, authentic way. Absolutely. And one of my biggest, my biggest tips is do not overdo your emails. Like everyone thinks you need to have a banner at the top, a banner at the bottom. Actually, some of the best automated emails for me are literally plain text, no HTML, just, hey, because yeah. then it, it doesn't feel automated at that point. It just feels like somebody's written you a quick message. Um, and that's what we get quite a good response rate on. I don't know if you, are you seeing the same? 100%. Um, and this is what I was saying that when you build your journeys, some of them would look like marketing. Some of them would look like a sale. I, what I call a sales email is that it's, is a, a plain text email. Um, I could give you stats on my own. I, I won't, I won't divulge my, my client stats, but put it this way. Our open rate, um, go is, goes up three times what it would be when, when we do a marketing style email. So we still have a place for the marketing emails. It's just finding that blend between the two. Perfect. And, and other than yourself, do you have any other examples of people that do automation well? Well, I can't, I can't give you those secrets because that's why they hire us. But um, I mean, we do work exclusively within recruitment. And, and actually I say that we, we, we have a few that kind of butt onto recruitment. So whether it's a job board or, or um, kind of an outsourced um, FD or interim services, those kind of things, but always within this kind of talent space. I mean, I guess I would say probably what's more popular right now is just on the client side. I mean, you know, the, the candidate newsletters, not saying they don't have a place, um, but there are other opportunities right now to be engaging with candidates, especially if on your website, if you have a sign up for job alerts or sign up for the, you know, kind of the latest updates kind of piece candidates can be serviced by that right now the real opportunity is how do we do a better job with clients because I think again aside from maybe the the monthly newsletter that's been sent out I don't think our industry has has invested in really sophisticated automation programs for it as much as as potential warrants I think so. I completely agree it's, it's an interesting thing because so, like I said at the start, you've got personal brands, you've got the email automation. One of the other things we're playing with at the moment is um, retargeting adverts. So mm -hmm. when they get to a certain score, can you push them to a, a Facebook list and then they see certain adverts on Facebook? 
Um, coming to your point earlier about when people visit certain web pages, for us, if somebody visits the pricing page but doesn't actually get in touch with us, they see very different adverts to somebody that's down on our lead score. Um, do you do anything like that for your customers? And are you having much success with the retargeting? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think I think the challenging thing is still appetite for um, paid promotion in our industry. I, I think you know, going back to you know maybe some of the the legacy issues of of the recruitment industry is there is still this perception that you can just get it for free. You know, you post a bunch of stuff on social media and it all comes to, to you for free. And th- there is somewhat of that. Um, but there's a number of reasons why that that's that's not a foolproof strategy. And I, th- I think there is, you know, something really to be said at, at the end of the day is we need to just to, to look back at those channels and look at how that's going to help us capture or, or acquire new client-facing customers. And some of that might be actually is repurposing some of your job board spend. You know, the first thing I would do right now is look at how many candidates you're getting from your website and all the different channels that you that you used to acquire candidates. Are you getting, of course it needs to be quality, but chances are you're getting a lot of candidates right now. Do you need that volume of candidates, especially if you also have, you know, a, a LinkedIn recruiter license or some of these different things? Do you need that volume of all those job boards? The job boards are going to hate me for saying this right now, but can you repurpose some of that budget? Because right now we're in a crunch that we need to, I mean, I don't know any, a single recruiter right now that doesn't want more clients at the moment. Um, maybe there are some out there, but repurpose some of that because at the end of the day, this is, this is part of it is that yes, you can reactivate your database. Yes, you can, you know, your, your consultants is about giving them the tools, the sales enablement tools to do their jobs and, and close the, close the sale. But there is this whole piece of advertising that it just gets forgotten in, in our industry quite a bit, or, or this feeling that you can get it through other, through other channels. So um, so probably my answer to that is not enough. Um, we do do it for our clients, but not enough actually go down that route. And then I think that's again coming back to the point we made earlier about us being a few years behind yeah. e-commerce. Like e-commerce sites use retargeting religiously. Every time, you know, I look at a dress on ASOS as I do all the time, uh, all the and time. then I go onto Facebook and and then the dress, shoes that like, go with the dress. Exactly, and then, <laughs> you know, I end up I end up buying it and then. You know, the wife's happy because uh, it comes to her. Um, so that's the only thing I'll say about re- retargeting. It doesn't take into account when somebody's borrowed my phone because some of the ads <laughs> I get after it are slight, slightly odd. But I, I've, we've actually seen great success for it um, because right. when somebody interacts with your brand, it doesn't mean, although they visit the pricing page, they may not have requested a demo of a pager yet, but it wasn't because they didn't want to. It's because maybe something came up, their phone rang, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And you just need to make sure you remind them of why they were looking at your pricing page to begin with. Um, and yeah. for recruiters, that's, you know, that's your services page. It's your social proof you've got on your website. It's whatever it may be that is a buying signal. You need to use that and then drive it back through pay-per-click. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of just outreach pay-per-click where you just say, hey, show this advert to anybody no, that's in London no. with this job title. That's, that's not what we do. Um, and even targeted to pay-per-click can actually even be done a little bit better. So it's not just having the right targeted keywords to the right audience. It's actually about then also finding out what keywords actually convert. So if you have a whole series of keywords that are driving traffic to your site, that's great. That's a great start. But then the next step after that is actually looking at will do they convert off that page and what's the keyword that drove the conversion? 
So it's it's constantly enhancing and and op, you know optimizing things to drive that cost per conversion down as much as possible. Saving money in the long run, um, while not having hey. to scale up your salespeople. If we're being, mm-hmm. you don't need to be the eighty recruiter. You know, more office space, more whatever it may be. Mm. You know, you can keep it at fifty and probably make more money if you embrace this sort of technology. Yeah, and some of it is, and and I know I'm now probably getting into into a realm that you you, you probably need a marketing team to 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 really help you drive this. But you should be looking at your cost per acquisition at, for every single channel. So on the candidate side, from whether it's did they come from your website or from from Google organic search, obviously there would have been a cost that went into optimizing your website to get the traffic there. Did they come from a job board? For clients, did they come from PPC or, or from uh, a thought leadership program, whatever. But it's actually breaking down what your cost per acquisition and then actually going one step further, if you, if you can get it, it's a bit harder to get to cost per placement. But if you could figure that out, um, then it just allows you to put your eggs. You don't have, the, the problem is that people think they have to be everywhere. I have to be on Instagram. I have to be here. I have to be there. You don't. You actually only have to be the places that's going to make you the most money and invest your resources there. Um, my philosophy is always one of do 80% of the stuff you know will work. Use your, your other 20% to uh, test different ideas and test different things. And then as you figure out they work, move those into your 80% and, and maybe maybe something comes out or, or maybe you, you add to it. But you need to invest on what's actually going to give you return. Other than that, you're just, what are you doing? You, you're, you're just, you know, throwing mud against the wall and hoping it's going to stick. And, and it's not going to stick is, is the reality. Absolutely. And you know what? We were guilty of that when we first started. It's the, it's the first thing you do when you, you say, right, we're going to do marketing. We've got some marketing budget. What are we going to do? Let's do everything and let's do everything slightly badly. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting, even when it comes to content marketing. So we mentioned the emails and that we're going to finish up in a second because I think we've uh, spoke about automation for quite a while. But I'm really interested in with the content marketing side of things. If we look back, the, the, the idea of content marketing in a recruitment company was we've done a salary survey. And that seems to be the, the staple of the industry. Mm. I believe that's got to change. What do you do for your, for your clients or what ideas do you have about how we can change that to not just say, hey, we've got our latest salary survey to say, look, we've gone actually this piece of research that's really going to help our clients beyond just what you should be paying people, which they could probably find with a quick job board search. Yeah, I mean, the hard one is salary guides. And, and I have done my fair share of salary guides in, in my lifetime. Um, problem is that everybody does them now and and not only does everybody do them all the rec- other recruitment agencies do them but every job board glass door does it it is so simple to find a salary um i was actually looking at even doing pipelining for or uh, forecasting for my own company on the hires i would need to make it took me 10 minutes to go in and find all the roles for like 20 roles um it's very easy to do this so However, um, I think a lot of businesses still do rely on them. And, and so the very, very first thing I would say, if, if you do still want to have a salary guide, and some of our clients do still want a salary guide, and, and we do salary guide programs, but it's, it's, you don't have to limit it to once a year. You don't have to limit it to this one push out on this one day that they, this email goes out, and that's the moment that the salary guide is, is out and in the world. Because reality is people need to know about salaries all the way through the year. So 
a better approach is actually thinking about, you know, all of your programs, at least on a yearly basis. You probably don't need to go further than that. But if you plan out the year and actually recognize that, you know, just stretch your content. If you have a salary guide, you probably should have pieces of content that talk about it or that drive back to it every single month. Of the uh, and probably multiple times a month that go back to it so no matter what you do from a content perspective i mean some people say the rule of five i'm certainly not the first person to say that but it's thinking about the content asset you have and how can you repurpose it so whether that's a social post or a blog post or or repackaging it in a report or putting it in an email and it's not only kind of looking at it across you know, the different channels, but like I say, across the year and how you can stretch it out. Um, I had a business come to me quite recently and said, we need to do, I hope they don't hear this, but um, 15 <laughs> reports. And I actually said, we're not doing 15 reports. And I think we've kind of, you know, netted out at like four or five, um, which is still a lot, but they have uh, multiple sector specialisms. And we look at that and actually say, okay, how can we, can we do more with that versus just doing lots of stuff and not actually um, deriving the benefit from it. So I think that's the biggest thing is spend, not saying you put out poor content, but if whatever you're, you, the time and expense that you're putting towards creating the asset, you need to be spending four to five times on actually how you promote the asset and that'll get you better bang for your buck. Perfect, I think that's a really good uh, note to end it on. But before we do, is there anything you wanna chat about? Anything I didn't go through? You want to ask me anything? I'm, I'm an open book, as you know. Probably oh. too open. Well, I've noticed that you've not had your beer with you tonight after no, I it, specifically got my drink ready. So it's sitting here and we just got cracking. I got talking to you and I forgot. So I haven't even opened it. So I feel guilty. So do you want to, what, what are you drinking? Here, what are you drinking? Shall we cheers? Um, cheers. Cheers. I got a special glass, especially that. And that was actually part, part of the logic is I wanted to, uh, it, it's, it's a little creation today. It is elderflower cordial, vodka, and soda. That sounds quite immense. nice, actually. It's quite refreshing. Yeah. So, so now I'm glad we didn't do the whole drinks thing, although we have now, because I've just got a can of Peroni, which makes me sound not not quite as sophisticated as you. Yeah, but you get to say that you were so enthralled in the conversation that you forgot your drink altogether. How could I actually forget this drink? I couldn't. It's, a, it's the name of the podcast, mm. and I forgot to have a beer. Mm. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, every time I sipped through this podcast, I was like, oh, God, he's not sipping. And yet here I am sipping away. I'm going to, if somebody's watching this at nine in the morning, they're going to be like, oh, God, look at her going to town. But, no, it, the reason, if it makes you feel better, the reason I didn't have a beer is I'm already six in and I'm completely pissed right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's why the conversation was so good. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking time out for your Thursday evening. It's now 10 p.m. So I really do appreciate it and I will catch up with you soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, everyone, for having me. Thanks so much.